Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to church. It is so good to be in the house of the Lord with you today. I'm excited to praise the Lord with everyone. How many of you know that there's always a reason to praise the Lord? Amen. We're going to read Psalms 98, a few verses this morning. It reminds us why God is worthy of our praise. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have gained the victory. We praise God because he's a big God. He's a powerful God, and he's worthy of our praise. Verse 2, the Lord has made known his salvation, his righteousness he has revealed in the sight of the nations. We praise God because he's a holy God, and he's worthy of our praise. Verse 3, he has remembered his mercy and his faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the earth have seen the salvation of our God. We praise God because he's a good God. He is faithful and he is merciful and he is good to each and every one of us. And if you know Jesus in this place, he has given you salvation. So therefore, next verse, shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth in song, rejoice, and sing his praises. And that was that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to rejoice, and we're going to sing his praises because he is worthy of our praise. Amen. We're going to sing not ashamed, and I'm not ashamed this morning to say that, God, you are greater than me. You are more powerful than I am, and I want to shout your praises, and I want to give glory to you. Amen. Let's sing and worship.
make us that light to the world. Father, help us to obey you, Father. Come what may, Lord, in the dark times. Lord, in death and in life, we follow you. Father, teach us obedience. Teach us trusting in you. God, help us as we walk into this world, God, to be that light that shines so brightly, representing you, Father. Lord, we surrender to you today, God.
the house of the Lord. So good to see you this morning. I know we have several families out on vacation. Welcome to those who are watching online. We had a couple texts last night. We're in New York on vacation, but we'll be watching the service in Tickfall in the morning. So welcome to our New York visitors this morning and all of you who are out of town who may be watching online today as well. Thank you, worship team. What a powerful, powerful worship service this morning. Want to remind all of the youth and the parents of the youth about the upcoming youth weekend and just a couple weeks, July 22nd and 23rd. We're excited. We're going to have a youth weekend. They'll be at the church from Friday evening from 6 to 10 p.m. and then Saturday morning be back, drop back off at 9 to 2 p.m praying for our youth that weekend. We are believing for great things and youth begin to invite your friends and uh, schoolmates and we are just looking forward to a great time for the youth weekend July 22nd and 23rd. And then our missions offering focus today will be our first offering toward our church build next month in Mexico as we partner with Brother Larry Myers and Mexico Ministries. We are so excited to be fully funding another church. The cost will be $10,000, so we'll do it through our missions offering until we meet that goal, and they'll be going. We have a full team going, 12 guys is the max. The missions team is full to be going to uh, build that church. They're going to be going to remote mountainous area and building a church for our Christian brothers and sisters in Mexico to have a place to worship the Lord and where they can invite lost villagers to come and to find the Lord Jesus. And so we thank the Lord for the privilege of being able, I think this is about the eighth or ninth one that we have fully funded and paid for in Mexico. And we are thankful to the Lord to be able to do that. So ushers, you come as we receive our morning missions offering toward our church build in Mexico. And we're so thankful for your giving. And we're thankful for faithful men of God like Brother Larry who have endured the test of time and still ministering to those people. That is his heart. And we want to come along beside him with his ministry. So let's stand today. Let's bring our offering in faith and greet one another as you come.
the house of the Lord today. How many of you had a wonderful July 4th weekend last week? The blessing of the Lord surrounding you. If you uh, missed though, that message last week, or if you were here, we are sending our notes out uh, on Tuesday morning for almost every message that we preach. And I'm asking you, please, during the season to especially get those notes and go back over those scriptures and meditate on them because Jesus wants to give us freedom. We want to walk and all that Jesus has for us. And so I want to encourage you to please do that. God gives us his word, but it is our job to meditate on that word, amen, and to get that in our spirit so that we can live out of that every day and every moment of our lives. Jesus is freedom. Jesus is peace. Jesus is rest. I want to continue in on some of these thoughts today as July is our month of rest. We call that for years. And, you know, this is the time of the season, the time of the year, rather, season where guys and families are taking vacations and so forth and so on because we need a little R&R. We need a little rest and relaxation. I want to preach a message today in need of some R&R. How many of you would say in this house, and just be honest, that you feel in your spirit, I just need some R&R and raise your hand high for everybody? Well, you know, I would say I do as well. But it may not be the R&R that you think, amen, that you really need. I have been on a many a vacation with my spirit dry and fear or a complication going on in my life, and I just need to get away from it all. And I remember distinctly one time we couldn't go any further than Gulf Shores. You know, it's all we could afford back in that day. Now the, the, the hotels in Gulf Shores are more expensive than anywhere. But back in the day, you know, you could get a room fairly cheap. And I remember distinctly laying my suitcases on the ground, and the Lord saying, what are you doing? Where are you going you're not getting out of this, amen. Sometimes a getting away is not what you really need. You need something done in your spirit, man. Can I get a witness in the house? And so Jesus told us, and we gave this scripture last. It's not just a scripture. It is an invitation from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke, and that was last week's message, upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I pray that you are sitting in this room today whether you know the Lord or not at this moment in time, that you understand that your means of getting rest for your soul is not working out. It never has. It never will. That the only rest for your soul is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you don't know him, you got to know him to find rest. If you do know him and sometimes you pull loose from that yoke, 
It is only returning to that yoke that you're going to find true rest for your souls. It's not buying anything. It's not going anywhere. It's not a release from the, the heavy, you know, schedule that you're under. It is only found in the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I get a one amen right there before I pray? Father, we believe what we just said. Lord, I do. And Father God, today we say that only, only in you and your son do we find rest learning from your, our Savior, your Son, listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit, being led by Him is the only way we find rest. So today, teach our hearts what we may not know or what we may need to be reminded of. And all God's people said, Amen. So last week we told you that there's only two options in life. And I want to press that point on in the weeks ahead there's only two options. There's only two. We found those options last week. Psalm 2, we can break the bonds and we can cast away God's gentle cords from our life. Or we can take the yoke, the yoke of Jesus upon ourselves. And it is in this abiding in the gentle, lowly spirit of Christ that we find rest for our souls. In this yoke of absolute surrender and implicit obedience, surprisingly, we don't find it confining or ill-fitting, but we find the opposite is true. We find ease. We find this burden to be light. Is there responsibility toward Christ? Is there a burden, if you will, in following Jesus? Absolutely but in that yoke, we find that his burden is light. And in this place of continual uh, abiding in him, we find our freedom. We find rest for our souls. We made this statement last week. Freedom never comes by getting my way in life. Freedom comes by Jesus getting his way in my life. You know, I have... Over my tenure as a minister, delved into spiritual warfare so many times and studied it out and became a part of, in certain seasons, a, a part of this camp or that camp and their ways of looking at spiritual warfare. Learning how to engage in spiritual warfare, making sure that I'm doing my job and getting the devil out of my life and doing whatever I can to help my family, my loved ones, and my church family, my loved ones, get the devil out of their lives. And so I really wanted to educate myself. And I've been in seasons and times and places and environments and atmospheres and settings where... You just shout at devils all night and you fervently pray in the spirit and turn the worship music up loud and shout the name of Jesus over and over until something happens. Now, let me tell you, some of those things are necessary. Absolutely. And there is praying and praising and all those things involved and worship and all of those things involved. And we are told time and time again that what we do with all of our heart and our passion and our fervency in our prayer is necessary. But I want to tell you what I've learned. 
I've learned that warfare is not about how loud you can be, but how low you can go. Warfare is more about your will than anything else. Getting that will laid down once again, a returning to the yoke once again, fully surrendered, fully accepting the yoke, and responding to every instruction from my master, the Lord Jesus. James 4 says it all. He said, therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. And there's going to, in the weeks ahead, we're going to talk about resisting the devil and our need to do that and what that means. But I want to tell you where it starts. Therefore, submit to God. Get in the yoke. Get back under the yoke. Let his mission Come on, be over your mission and what he says. That's what I do. It doesn't matter what that may be. I willingly comply. And I want to tell you, you can shout at the devil. You can do all the resisting you want. You can turn up your speakers until you blow them out. But you ain't going to blow away no demons from your life until you are submitted to the yoke of the Lord Jesus Christ in your life. Resist the devil, he'll flee. Draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts. Get them back into wholeheartedness. Purify your hearts, you double-minded what does it mean to be double-minded? It means to be living from the perspective of God or my own perspective. To be obeying the vision of God or obeying the vision of fear and frustration and unbelief in my life. Get back to purity. Get back to, back to single-mindedness. Get back to a sound mind. Lament, mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Get back to the oak. Get back and sink. Listen and learn. Trust and obey. And this is the ongoing challenge for every one of the saints of God. It's my challenge. It's your challenge. Every day, every moment, every hour. In every season of life, to get in sync with the yoke of Jesus in my life. Mark 10, we talked about the rich young ruler, and you know that he wanted eternal life. And Jesus says, what is your understanding of the law? The law says, I obey that, obey that, obey that, obey. There's one thing you lack. Jesus looked at him and loved him. There's one thing you lack. Go and sell all that you have. Lose your life. Take up your cross. Follow me. He wouldn't do it. Jesus was offering him a yoke. And in that yoke, I can't be 90%. I can't even be 99%. I can only receive that yoke when I am 100% all in. Can I get one amen right there? Well, I don't believe that. <laughs> I promise you it's so. 
Not perfection of your actions, but perfection of your heart. This is my heart's desire to follow you in whatever, whatever comes, come what may. I will obey. He walks away grieved in his heart. And Jesus said, how hard it is for those who are rich to enter the kingdom of God. And I've pastored long enough to see that and know that and understand that somewhat. And that is when people are resourceful in themselves. And they don't need God and they can do what they need to do. And I don't need to stop and question. I don't need to stop and depend on God. I got this. They are far from the kingdom of God. And rich isn't just money, by the way, either. I can be rich in my knowledge, rich in my understanding, rich in my wisdom, and I've got it all figured out, and I've got all the answers, all the questions. I can be rich in my selfish ambition. I can have all of these aspirations in life and so rich with it and so wealthy with my own wisdom and my own will and volition that I am so far from the yoke of the Lord Jesus Christ. Who can be saved? With men, it's impossible. With God, all things are possible. And Peter says this. He says, hey, Jesus. He began to say to him, see, we have left all and followed you. Stop right there. That is the condition for the kingdom. We have left all and followed you. My dreams of being a fisherman, my dreams of purchasing another boat, my, per- my dreams of quietly retiring on the shores of Capernaum, they're over with. It's all laid down. I don't fish for profit, I fish for men. My life is now laid down, it's yoked to you, Jesus. See, we have left all and followed you. And so Jesus answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house, our brothers, our sisters, our father, our mother, our wife, our children, our lands for my sake and the gospel's who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time. Let me pause right there. Sometimes that loss that's incurred in our life is Peter leaving his wife and to go and preach the gospel in a foreign land. It's missionaries that I've read about. I don't know if I agree with it or not, but it's just what they did. Left their children in 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 the United States and went to foreign places and I don't know. I don't understand it all. It's not my place to figure it out. But Jesus is saying, if you do that, you will gain a hundredfold. It's also those relationships that are severed as you follow Jesus Christ in your life. And Jesus said it over and over and over again. I didn't come to bring peace but a sword. I came to divide a mother against da 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 And you know those passages. And this calling and this following Jesus Christ and being all in and everything laid down, it's going to cost you somewhere, somehow, 
But then Jesus promises Peter, when that happens in your life, you're going to receive a hundredfold. Now Mark specifically says two things here that the other Gospels don't say. That's why I chose Mark today to talk about this. He said, you're going to receive a hundredfold in the life to come. And we, we know that. We see that. And when we get to heaven, we're going to rejoice. And we're going to, oh, my goodness, what we gave up will seem so minuscule compared to what we're going to receive in Christ and in the kingdom of God when he becomes our God, wipes away every tear from our eyes, and we're with him forever and ever. We're going to go, man, I wish I'd have gave up more. It just didn't matter. But Mark said in this life, you're going to receive a hundredfold in this time. House, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and land. And some of you I know, I know people that have, their family turned their back on them when they received Christ and went away from their family's religion. And you know, those same people would say, you know, I gave up or I lost out on a family, but now I have a family. I have a hundredfold in my life. And I can honestly say anything that I gave up for Christ back there, I promise you he's given me a hundredfold in this lifetime. The blessing of God is surrounding my life. How about you? I said, how about you? No preacher talk, no religious talk. How about you? Is it true? If you could go back and do it all over again when you go, you know what? That was a bad decision on my part. I've lost so much. I just... Or how many of you would say, you know what, I know, I know that I know my life is so filled with God's goodness, I wish I'd have done it sooner in my life. Raise your hand high if that's true of your life. And I know it is. I know it is. But then he says something that I want to cap, uh, focus on today. Mark says this. Now in this time, houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, lands, with persecutions. Other gospels don't say that. In other words, while God is pouring out his blessings on my life, running parallel to that will be persecutions and problems and pain, testings, trials, tribulation, fears and failures with tribulations. And in the age to come, eternal life, but many who are first will be last and last first. I want you to listen to the sentence I'm about to tell you because I still have that m mindset of many being offended. We're going to get back into that. We're preaching rest this season. I want you to listen to the sentence very well. When you get the notes Tuesday morning, please go back over this. <clears throat> it is this ever-present it is this ever-present trouble, these ongoing testings that run parallel to God's blessings that often trip us up and cause us to disconnect from the yoke of the Lord Jesus. And it's happened to better men and women than you. And we today want to get on Get some revelation and get, get this in our spirit today. It's the persecutions, it's the problems, it's the pain, it's the trials 
the tribulations, the testings, the fear, the failure. That no matter how good everything is in our life, we have to constantly navigate through these things. And I'm going to be honest with you, maybe you never heard a preacher say this before, but during these times, sometimes you don't know if it's the devil or it's God. Come on. Do you know that yet? You, you, you can't figure out if, if it's the devil and you need to resist or it's God and you need to comply. And you wrestle and you're stumped until you read James 1, let him who lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and upbraideth not, but let him ask in faith. And God gives you what you need to know. Lord, get this out of my life. Paul prayed three times. It's painful. And I'm resisting it and I'm coming against it until God gave him revelation. It ain't going. It's a message of Satan to buffet you, lest you be exalted above measure. It's a painful, it's a necessary, painful thing that I'm going to leave in your life. Because I know it's better for you. Because if I don't have that in your life, you will be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelation that you've received from me. See, this is big boy levels, right? This is, this is things that God is doing that I must navigate through in my life so that I don't, out of rebellion or unbelief, press away and pull away rather from the yoke that Jesus has for me to live in such bewilderment and unbelief and confusion in my life that I'm not hearing and learning from Jesus in my life. We see the writers of the New Testament constantly pulling us back, pulling the Old Testament right up to where we are, looking at these the people of God and their situations and their being led by God and their responses to God leading them in life and most of the time failing, unfortunately. And these writers will pull that stuff right up to us. They say, listen and learn some things. The writer of Hebrews does that for sure as he's writing to the born-again Jewish people. Verse 6 of Hebrews 3 says, But Christ as a son over his own house, but Christ as a son over his own house. Jesus has his own house, whose house we are. I abide in that house with Jesus. I abide in him. If, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. I got a question. See, I don't care about, you know, religious schematics and, you know, and all of the things that, you know, we, we question, we don't question, you know, the things that we have to believe because if we don't, I, listen, when I was in seminary, I got rid of that in my life. I don't care if I'm dead wrong about something. I just want to know, listen, if I need to make a change, if I need to apologize for you of something I believe, let, let's just do it, amen, because the truth does what? It sets you free. And we got to ask ourselves the question. Why does the Holy Spirit over and over again through Jesus, through the writers of the New Testament, talk about pressing in, holding on, enduring to the end? Why? 
Well, one reason is, is because the Spirit of God knows what you're going to go through in life. He's telling you and encouraging you to endure because you're going to deal with persecutions, problems, pains, trials, tribulations, testings, fears, and failures. And you better know how to navigate through them when you get in them or you're not going to endure to the end. The people of God at that time didn't endure to the end. And so he is pulling them as an example up into our present day. And he is saying, therefore, people of God, therefore, those who are reading this letter some 2,000 years ago, therefore, those who are sitting in this church on July 10th, 2022, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion in the day of trial in the wilderness when your father tested me, tried me. Look, God can test you, but you ain't allowed to test him. God can try you, he can try me, but I'm not allowed to try him. And saw my works 40 years, and therefore I was, say it out loud, I'm going to preach a message on the anger of the Lord. This generation needs to hear that. He is love. He is holy. He is mercy. He is compassionate. He lavishes love on a thousand generations. But I want to tell you, if you persist in your way, he can get what? He can get angry. Does he get angry because he hates you? He gets angry because he loves you. It's like when your child disobeys, do you get happy about that? No, you get angry because you want, you see where they're going. If they, if, they, if they progress in that path of rebellion and disobedience, you know there's going to be trouble and you get angry. So you have to count to three before you spank them because you don't want to spank them while you're angry, right? But there better be some anger somewhere in you or you'll never spank them. God gives us the emotion of anger that causes us to rise up and deal with injustice in our life things that are not God's plan for me and those that I love and I'm called to influence. Righteous indignation. They saw my works, therefore I was angry with that generation. And I said, listen very carefully, people of God, they always go astray in their heart. Why? Because they don't know my ways. Every time I'm trying to lead them, discipline discipline them, instruct them every time we get to the persecutions, pain, problems, trials, testings. They disconnect. They disconnect from the yoke. So I swore in my what? Now here's here's the punchline. They, those people that do this, shall not enter my now, how many of you need some R&R? Raise your hand high. You're not going to get R&R until you learn to hear his voice. And no matter what's going on in your life, you stay connected to the yoke and listen to Jesus. And don't let fear, failure, or the testing, or the trial, or the problems, or the pain, or the persecution cause you to disconnect in your mind from what Jesus is seeking to do in your life. They shall not enter my rest. I don't want that from me. Beware, brethren. Warning. 
lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. See, either I return or I depart. I break the bonds, I cast away the cords, or I take the yoke. That's all I do. I got saved that way, and I get sanctified that way. I live my life that way. You know, I like to preach out of the Old Testament. You know, there are people that we don't need to be in that Old Testament. We're that blah, 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 blah. Well, you know, I, I beg to differ with you. Because all of that narrative, you know, your Old Testament is a lot thicker than your New Testament, right? All that narrative, Moses, you know, some, wrote some of the you know, minor prophets, major prophets, blah, 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 David, Psalms, whatever. All that wasn't wrote down just, to, just so we can have a thick Bible. It was wrote down, and 1 Corinthians 10 tells us why. Don't ever forget this verse I'm fixing to share with you. These things happen to them in that passage, that chapter. You, you, can, you can read it for yourself. He's talking about God leading. They're not responding the, the, the things that they were doing and didn't respond properly. Then he says this in verse 11. These things happen to them as examples for us. Is that clear enough? They were what? Won't you read that with me? They were written down to warn us who live at the end of the age. Now, you may not, we're living at the end of the age. That's us. And all of these stories and all these examples and all these things were written down to warn us so that we don't do what they did. Because when you do what they did, you're going to get what they got. And you're going to not have rest and you're going to wander around in the wilderness in your life. And so we think about some of the things that they went through. Times when God was testing their faith. And we see in Deuter places like Deuteronomy 8, 2 and 3. And I led you these years in the wilderness to tempt you, to, to test you. I suffered you to hunger. I let you go through, I, I let you feel hunger pains. I let you, I let you use your imagination and wonder if God is really going to meet my needs or not. I, I, I brought you right to the brink of, you know what, God's not, I'm, I'm going to bring you right here because I want to know I want you to know if you will obey my commandments or not. I want you to see what's in your heart. I wonder what he's doing in your life. Oh, we love it. He's the same God yesterday, day, forever. You're right. And I'm telling you, just what he was doing with that human nature back there, he's doing with you. And he's going to bring you right to the brink. My gosh, there's a pile on my knees out. And he's going to come through when he needs to and how he needs to. But he wants to see what's in your heart and what do you do? Do you stay in the yoke? Or are you to bail out in depression and discouragement? Stay on from church because God ain't helping me. Times when God was giving them what they needed and not what they wanted. When they left Egypt, they remember the fish, the melons, the leeks, the garlics, the onions. Oh, it was so good. Forget the stripes on my back. Forget about the labor. Forget about the taskmasters. I remember right now my belly's calling me back to Egypt. And all we have is this what? 
You do know that's a Hebrew word for manna, right? When it started dropping from the sky, they said, what? What is it? Exactly. I'm going to tell you what it wasn't. It wasn't fish. It wasn't melons. It wasn't leeks, garlics, and onions. It was what God wanted you to have. I wonder what's for supper tomorrow. What? Mom, it's been a whole week. All you do is boil this thing and make these wafers. And they, they're fairly good, but you know what? I'm, I'm just a little tired of this what. What's for supper tomorrow? What? See, we separate ourselves so far from that stuff that you don't understand God's doing the exact same thing in your life right now. And he wants to see where your heart is. Our soul loathes this worthless bread. To make matters worse, there was a mixed multitude that came out of Egypt with them, and they were stirring the whole pot up. And the Bible said, and they yielded to the intense craving, and they began to complain about their place, their position, what God was doing, complain to everybody around them, leadership, family, friends. They had had enough. And they failed. And they pulled loose from the yoke. In times when God forced them to wait on him to trust his plan for their lives. You know Moses is up on the mountain. They said he's going he's to go up there. He's going to come back down. We're going to have a big shout, shouting meeting. We're going to go on. We're going to move on this, with this thing. But he didn't come down day one, day two. Week one, week two, 20, 30 Forty days later, they are saying, if God had a plan for my life, by now, of course, this would have happened. But God was waiting them out. God was dealing with their flesh. God was getting them past what their common sense would hang on to where they would go in their natural strength and then all of a sudden they would have to get into faith and trust God. They failed. You know what they did? They made their own God. See, people that fall away from God don't fall away from God. They just make up another God who will give them what they want when they want it and don't tell them what they need to hear, they'll just make another God. It's what they do. It's what we do. We all do it. Moses comes down. He sees society. He's angry. He throws the commandments down. You know the story. Grinds up the golden calf, makes him drink it. Whoever's on the Lord's side, come over here. There wasn't a third option. It's either God and those who trust God and those who want their way and are going to live by their own perspective. And you know that the Levites had to go through the camp with a sword on their side and they, it was a massacre. 3,000 souls were killed on that day. Sometimes I try to put myself in Moses' shoes and feel what he's feeling in this moment. What a man of God Moses was. And Moses is feeling this disconnect. God, I'm up there trying to get the word, and people are... And Lord, 
I just feel so distant from you. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I don't know how to lead the people. I don't know what, I don't want to lead my family. I don't, know, I don't know what to do, Lord. The world's gone crazy. I don't know what to do, Lord. You know what Moses did? He pitched a tent. And he called the tent a meeting. And he got in that tent. You know what he was doing? He's getting back in the yoke. He's making sure that his life is in the yoke. And he says this in Exodus 33. God, it's obviously we don't know what we're doing. I don't know how to go from here. So now, show me now your way. That I might know you. And that I might find grace in your sight. Don't go any further. Listen, I cannot live with an angel leading me. That's good. That's wonderful. But I need to be yoked to you. I need you yoked to me. I'm a stumbling, stuttering, stammerer, and I cannot go on. I have no strength, no power. I don't know what to do. I need your presence in my life. And you know, in fact, if your presence doesn't go with us, do not leave. I'm not taking one step from this place. Show me your ways. I need your grace. And what he was doing, the Old Testament, he didn't, the Old Testament talked about a yoke. It talked about clinging. He was clinging to God. And God said, cling to me. Get close. Get in the yoke. And I want to learn from you. I want to hear your voice. How did God respond? And he said, God said, my presence will go with you and I will give you When you take my yoke, learn from me in my ways, you respond to my voice, it is in that place that you will find rest, freedom for your soul. We're failing so many times, and I, I look at my life, I look at the people that I've ministered to over the years, and I... I have to wonder, I have to sometimes admit that we are doing just what they did. And yet somehow we think our nice services and our song services and or whatever are going to cause the peace and the rest and the power of God to rest on us when God is challenging us to obey. Not only obey, but to trust Him no matter what's going on in our life. We see times when God set them in an impossible situation to see if they would look to him or to themselves. He parked them at the foot of the Red Sea. There wasn't a malfunction in God's GPS. There was no malfunction in the GPS. You know, every now and then that happens. And I should be here, but I'm not here, and you led me here. It's the plan and purpose of God. The Red Sea they can't cross. And just for good measure, I'm going to stir up Pharaoh to go after your behinds. Because now he's regretting that he's let his labor force go. And so Pharaoh's army is closing in. And they are literally between a rock and a hard place. And there's nowhere to go. And let me tell you who did it. It wasn't the devil. 
It was God. How does the devil intervene in these situations? He says and whispers to their ear, God don't love you. God don't have a plan. What are you going to do now? There were no graves in Egypt. Why didn't you just kill me there? Moses, why did you bring me out here? It's your fault. That's the devil's place. During God's testings, Satan begins to tempt you. And they bought it. They didn't take their thoughts captive. They didn't say, that's a lie. God's got a plan for my life. If I die here, I die here. I'm going to give glory to God. I'm going to trust him all the way. If God sees fit to perform a miracle, then I'll praise him in that way as well. But I'm going to trust God, sink or swim, die by a sword or die by that water. I'm going to trust God no matter what. You ever been in an impossible place? What did you do? What did I do? Did I fall for the bait? Did I take the trap? Did I take the bait? Did I listen to the lies of the enemy? Did I start questioning God's faithfulness in my life? 40 years, I mean, in the journey, right outside the promised land. They're fishing across the Jordan. They're fishing going to the promised land. They got to take the, the city. They're going to have to take their Kadesh Barnier. They camped out. You know, it, it would have been better, you know, if all the munchkins from the Wizard of Oz, you know, were living in that place. And they looked at themselves. They looked at the munchkins. You know, where are you know. We got this. But just like God, they weren't even men. They weren't even their peers. They were what? They were giants. Obviously, would not be successful in a military campaign. This was the tenth time that they tested God and they failed again. There's giants. We can't go in. It's a good land. It's a God land. We can't have it. They lifted up their voices. They wept. They murmured. They complained. Joshua and Caleb stood up and said, hey, we can do this. Our God will fight for us. And they said, stone them too. I don't want to hear all that preacher talk right now and all that Bible talk, all that faith stuff. I ain't in the mood for that. Stone them too. Let's return to Egypt. Let's select a leader and go back to Egypt. Forty years later, Moses is recounting this. They're about to go. The, the face generation is about to go in. He's thinking back on, in, in Deuteronomy 1. He says, nevertheless, you would not go up but rebelled against the commandment of the Lord your God. What is rebellion? Rebellion isn't just, you know, malicious, maliciously trying to divide and just be. That's not, that is, but rebellion is just God saying this and you doing something else. That's rebellion. And how many times are we in rebellion? And how many times have you seen people in rebellion to the instruction of the Lord? Listen to what he said. And you complained in your tents. You complained in your tents. Well, I didn't think, you know, I was just me and my wife and kids. 
and said, because the Lord hates us, he's brought us out of the land of Egypt to deliver us in the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. Leave that up a second. He ain't going to help me out of this. Somehow we got messed up some kind of way. A couple of verses later, yes, for all that, you did not believe the Lord your God who went. I want you to listen to these, this, these, this language. Listen to this. These gentle words from Moses as he is describing what was really taking place. Listen. Who went in the way before you. Come on, somebody. To search out a place for you to pitch your tents to show you the way you should go. This is what he's doing in your life. In the fire by night, in the cloud by day, in your daily reading, in your promptings of the Holy Spirit, when you hear your pastor preach or your parents communicate to you, he is leading you. And the Lord heard the sound of your words. And he was what? I was laying in bed that night in my tent. I was saying, baby, listen to me. What are we going to do? God heard you. This is my tent. This is your tent. Peter says, as long as I'm in, the, I'm in this tent, this running conversation that you have with yourself all day, and the, he knows your thoughts. As you think unbelief and doubt in your life. He heard your words and he was angry and took an oath saying surely not one of these men of this evil generation shall see the good of the land that I swore to give their fathers. I'm telling you the problem. Now I'm going to tell you the solution. The solution I had to find the hard way in my own life. And to this very day I still have to go back, go back, go back. Thank God it's imprinted in my heart and I have something to draw from. I remember an occasion in my life when I was in evangelism and things weren't going along just the way I thought, the way I thought God's Word had communicated to me. And I remember outside walking around the vehicles that were in the yard and I was just walking and meditating God had shown me a word that morning, Isaiah 30, 15. And I was just trying to get, that, get a hold of that thing and get my heart wrapped around that. And it said this. Now this is one of, I'm fixing to share probably one of the top three to five revelations in my life in the next two passages I'm going to give you. This is one of them. This is what the sovereign Lord says. You see, the, because of their failing to obey and be in the yoke and hear the voice of God, God's about to put them into a necessary time out 70 years in Babylon, and they don't want to go, and they don't want to leave the land. The prophets are saying, you need to go because you ain't getting out of this. Just go over there and just take your punishment and come back and learn your lesson. The other prophets were saying, most of the other prophets were saying, we need to break that yoke, fight against, you know, the king of Babylon, and that's another story. Babylon is coming to take them captive. 
and no other nation has ever defeated them, and now they're coming after the, the Jews, God's people. This is what the sovereign Lord said, the Holy One, uh, One of Israel, only in returning to me and resting in me will you be saved. I'm walking outside. Father God, how, what's the next chapter? How do I get, to, what do I do in my life? Only, Kevin, only, because I'm a problem solver kind of personality. I'm going to go after it. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to strategize until I get something going. That's my personality. Well, that's got to die. You've got to die in your life. And so the Lord said, only in returning to me, get back into the yoke. Get the fear, the failure, the questionings out of your heart. Return and rest in me. And in that place, you will progress and be saved. And quietness and confidence shall be your strength. I don't know how many times I've quoted that in my life. And sad to say, I hate to even read it because most of us, this is what we do, but you would have none of it. You're not going to get quiet. You're going to figure it out. You're not going to get confident. You're going to strategize and work your plan, but not in God. Let me tell you something. Goats can get away from, with things that sheep cannot get away with. He's not going to let you succeed. Jonah, he's going to make you, come on, get back on track. But you would have none of it. You said, no, we will get our help from Egypt. They will give us swift horses for riding into battle. And the Lord says, but the only swiftness, swiftness you are going to see is the swift, swiftness of your enemies chasing you. You're going to get a horse that can run this fast, but I'm going to send a horse that can run even faster against you. I've seen people do this a many a time, and they don't get what's going on. One of them will chase a thousand of you. Five of them will make all of you flee. You'll be left like a lonely flagpole on a hill. Get this picture. Or a tattered banner on a distant mountaintop. And the Lord gave me that picture of some. I've been in pursuit. I've exhausted all measures. I've schemed, strategized, done everything I could. And all of a sudden, I have nowhere else to go but just me and you, Lord, and nothing separating us. Wind beaten and tattered hard-headed with an evil heart of unbelief. I've been there. So the Lord must wait for you. Do not miss what I'm saying. So the Lord must wait for you to come back to Him and return to the yoke of trust and obedience So that he can show you his love and his compassion. For the Lord is a faithful God. Blessed are those who wait for his help. The New King James verse 18 says, Therefore the Lord will wait that he may be gracious to you. Grace only comes to people that are yoked. Breakthrough, power, deliverance, salvation comes to those who are humbly yoked to Jesus in obedience. We're going to go to Egypt. Egypt represents the place where you used to live. The place that once held you captive. 
the place of your slavery and bondage your whole life is how you used to think before you got saved. It's what you used to do to cope and survive. Your empty pursuits for peace and pleasure. All the vain imaginations, false realities, and grand illusions that you used to live in. You found they were all a lie, but now you're in your persecution, pain, problems, trials, tribulations, testings, fear and failure. You're missing all the good that God is doing the hundredfold, and you're getting sidetracked in this moment. Peter failed miserably. There was a little encounter with Jesus, but it, he wasn't converted. He wasn't back right yet. And he says, guys, I'm going fishing. Going fishing, guys. There's a whole lot being said there. I used to love it. it used to fulfill me. My old life, my old ways, the smell of the nets, the feel of the breeze blowing through my hair at dusk. I failed this whole thing. I'm just going back fishing. I've watched so many people go fishing, start thinking like they used to before they got saved, start going after things that used to fulfill them. And I've seen a, many people backslide in my lifetime as a minister. And most of the time, we think this is going to bring me relief. I'm in need of some R&R, some rest and relaxation, some rest and recuperation, some rest and recreation. I need to recreate myself with some fun and some pleasure for a change. It's a dead-end road. There's a way that seems right to a man, but the end there is in destruction. Oh, you need some R&R. &R. But let me tell you the R&R &R that I need when I get to that place, and you need when you get, you need to return and rest. Get back to the yoke. Get back to listening to Jesus and find rest for your souls. You know, as a minister, I, I have some unique challenges. And as you begin to be used of God and you know, speak the truth as you learn some truth and you grow and some of these challenges you will understand as well. But there's nothing like being in five-fold minutes. That's a different challenge. And one of the guys that helps me and encourages me is the prophet Jeremiah. And I've read, I've read his highlights or my highlights of his life and story so many times. In times when you feel lost, in times when you feel lost, in times when you feel like you need some rest, and Jeremiah is kind of my pity party buddy. And I want to see a lot of people when I go to him, but I want to see old Jeremiah. There's a, there's a passage in Jeremiah 15 that I turn to many times, especially in my younger days as a preacher, and he would say some things, and we'll read it just a minute. 
But I didn't really ever get the correction that God was giving him because in the New King James, that's why it's so important to study it out, study it out, look at different trans, study it out, see what the Hebrews say, study it out when God's trying to speak something to you. Here's what he would say. I'd crawl up on the couch with old Jeremiah, and I'd say, Lord, you know what's happening to me. Please step in and help me. Punish my persecutors. I got a deacon. I'm 25 years old. I got a deacon. All the people that go, that deacon, everything. I'm, try, I'm trying to build that gym back there. Just, he's just trying to give me a hard time. And Lord, kill him. <laughs> Not really. I don't know, maybe. Please give me time. Don't let me die, young Lord. I've got a whole ministry in front of me. Jeremiah, I know you know what I'm feeling. Look at It's for your sake that I'm suffering. I want to remind you of that, Lord. When I discovered your words and the revelation you gave me, I devoured them. I was reading my 10 chapters a day, and Lord, you were speaking, and I was getting so much. And they are my joy and my heart's delight, Lord. It's not religion to me, it's revelation. And I bear your name, O Lord God of heaven's armies. I never joined the people in their merry feast going off. I was on that bed when they were throwing beers in college at me. They said, come on, man, just be like us for a change. I've been there. I remember what they were doing down the hallway. And though I didn't want to partake in any way, shape, form, or fashion, I felt so alone and in despair, Lord. And I sat alone because your hand was on me. I was filled with indignation at their sins. Why then does my suffering continue? Why is my wound so incurable? Why can't you just fix this broken heart? Your help seems as uncertain as a seasonal brook. You help me, you don't help me. You help me, you don't help me. And now I'm feeling like a spring that's gone dry. Where are you, God? Like I said, there's some following scriptures that I would read and just really didn't get a hold of until about 10 to 15, about 15 to 20 years ago in that season. And I remember studying it out. I knew that first part real well. Me and Jeremiah would hang out a lot in our pity party. But when I read the Amplified, I'm not trying to, you ever watch the Ten Commandments, Charlton Heston, when God's fire and that bolt came and inscribed the commandments on that? That's what happened to me. It's like God, his lightning bolt, he wrote with his finger this, what I'm about to read to you on my heart and my spirit. I have to be reminded every now and then, but boy, it is deeply ingrained in me as God really lovingly chastened me and corrected me as he did Jeremiah. Look at it, verse 19. Therefore, now God's going to talk. Thus says the Lord to Jeremiah, if you, preach it with me, if you, if you, that's the condition. Here's the Amplified's expl ex ex explanation. And give up this mistaken tone of distrust 
and despair. You should not be here in your mind. Then, if you return from that mistaken tone of distrust and despair, then I will give you again a settled place of quiet and safety. I'll bring you back to rest, but you got to leave your mistaken tone of distrust of me and despair. Come on, somebody. And you will be my minister. And if, Jeremiah, and if, Kevin, you separate the precious from the vile, cleansing your own heart from unworthy and unwanted, warranted suspicions concerning God's faithfulness. Because that's all you're doing. I'm not worthy of your challenging my faithfulness in your life. They're unwarranted. It's a lie. You shall be my mouthpiece. But do not yield to them. Let them return to you, not you to the people. I want to go. I want to go in the place of unbelief. I want to go in the place where we just sit around and talk about our problems. I want to go, and I want to gossip, and I want to say, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? I want to go to that place because my flesh really likes that place, and I want to go to that place. You can't go to that place. You've got you to you gotta stay right here in the yoke, trusting me that I'm God and I know what I'm doing. And even sometimes I'll have a thought and the Holy Spirit will say, vile. Vile. Jeremiah, if you're going to find rest, people of God, Kevin, people of God, Eagle Heights, if you're going to find rest for your soul, you have to learn how to separate the vile from the precious. What's going on in your mind, what's coming out of your mouth. Disciples are... The boat was filling with water. Not going to make it to the other side. Jesus said, we're going to the other side. Not going to make it to the other side. They're going down. Master, don't you care that we are perishing vile? Jesus will never leave nor forsake me. Precious. Our soul loathes this worthless bread. Vile. Thank you, Father, for this daily bread that you have provided. You know I would like things to be different, but I trust in your sovereign plan for my life. Precious. These people are hungry. Give them something to eat. Send them away to the villages. You give them something to eat. What are you going to do? What are you, how are you going to respond to that? Am I going to look to myself? Am I going to look to God? What are you going to do? Test failure. What do you have? Jesus takes over. He's in the yoke. He's listening to the voice of God. What do you have? I've got two fish and five loaves of bread, but what are they among so many? Bring them to me. And Jesus took the insufficient and the seeming, you know, <laughs> impossible. 
This is what he did in John 6. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had what? And when he had what? And when he had what? I thank you for this place in my life, for the bread that you have provided. It's not, I'm, I'm hoping for more, Lord, but God, today I, I thank you for my job, my wife, my kids, my life, everything I'm going through. I, I take it and I receive it and I offer it to you. I bless it and I give God, I give you thanks, Father, for it. And then he takes that and he multiplies that seed Alas, Master, what are we going to do? Preacher man back in the Old Testament. Vile! In your tent, in my tent, baby, what are we going to do? Vile! Jehoshaphat with the multitude coming and the, and the armies coming against him. We have no power against this multitude, neither do we know what to do, but our eyes are on you, precious this is bad, and I don't know if I'm ever going to recover. Vile. God is working all things together for my good. Precious. I can't take any more of this. Vile. I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. Precious. God hates me. Team, come on up. He definitely doesn't love me. Vile. Is the Lord among us or not? That's what they said back there. Vile. But listen to what the Apostle Paul said as you stand to your feet. The Apostle Paul didn't know he, he, didn't know he was writing the Bible when he said this, by the way, in this letter. God hates me. Vile. God love me. Vile. God didn't care about me. Vile. Is the Lord among us or not? Vile. God's not working in my life. Vile. Vile, vile, vile. Satan, vile. Whisperings, vile. Vile, vile, vile. And Paul says, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, I normally skip this verse because I don't want to bring that explanation to it, but today it's necessary because it's the message. As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. And we are being slaughtered like sheep. You know what Paul was saying? It's his business. I am his business. If I die today, his business. If I get delivered and saved today, his business. I'm just his sheep. A living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is my reasonable service. No, despite all these things, Paul says, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced 
that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us, me, you, from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Precious. I said a whole lot today. And I'm going to tell you, I've got scriptures all over my counter in my shop, and I pray I'll pick one up and I'll just meditate on that till I get it in me. And I want to tell you, when fear gets on my life, when doubt gets in my heart, or whatever's going on in my life, I know what I need to do. I need to do what? I need some R&R. &R. I need to return to my trust and my faith in God and let Him bring rest to me. Sometimes, like Philippians said, the peace that surpasses all understanding. Why do I feel so peaceful? Because you're in the yoke and His burden is easy. Can I get a witness? You might have to do that a dozen times in a day. And I ain't kidding. This ain't something you do in a revival meeting 25 years ago. It's something you do every day. Paul said, I die. Anybody know that verse? I got to die daily. And I want to tell you, sometimes I feel like we're all a bunch of preschoolers, me, you, and all of us included. And when Jesus said, nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes to earth, will he really find faith? Guys, please, pray for me. I pray for you. We pray for each other. We are not here just to talk about God and talk about Jesus and to sing songs and preach sermons and have buildings that we occupy. We are here to go out of this place and among our friends and family and co-workers, show them what faith in God looks like, what it sounds like. Can I get a witness in the house? And whatever needs to happen in our lives, listen to me, Learn to separate the vile from the precious. Give up your mistaken tone of distrust and despair. Kevin, when you have those moments when you are yielding to distrust and despair, understand, whoa, wait a minute, Satan's got a hold, and I'm, 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 I'm pulling away from the yoke. Get back where you belong, and if you die, you die. But you don't fear anything. You submit to everything that is God. Is there three people that understand some aspect of what I'm saying today? This is your rest. This is the peace that you need in your heart. And let's work together. Amen. You know what, guys? I just want to leave in quiet today. I'm going to give you about 30 seconds of quiet. Then I want, to make, I want you to make all the noise you can, okay? Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. That's a teachable moment. I just want you to ease on out. Shake a hand. Hug somebody. This is your brothers and sisters in the Lord. This is your family. Have a heart extending toward one another as you want them to find rest for their soul as well. Let's learn a lesson. In quiet, in returning and rest, you shall be saved in quietness and confidence shall be your strength. And all God's people said, Amen. we love you.
God bless you, you're dismissed. I'm going to tell you when, don't worry. Oops. <laughs>